0: to the latest on Brazil emerging as the new epicenter of the pandemic. In South America, Brazil is taking the number one spot in coronavirus infections in the region. And the numbers continue to rise.
1: More than 2,000 Brazilians have died so far. Brazil's death toll is now past 11,000. The death toll there now surpassing 25,000. Second in the world, only to the United States, Brazil has recorded more than 1 million cases and 50,000 deaths.
0: Today, Brazil holds the second highest number of cases and fatalities in the world, with over 1 million infections and more than 50,000 deaths.
1: The death toll is doubling so fast they can't dig the graves quickly enough. The virus spreading faster in Brazil than anywhere on Earth.
0: I'm Malika Bilal and this is The Take. All eyes are on Brazil where the country's president, Jair Bolsonaro, continues to dismiss the outbreak. He's also protesting lockdown measures. Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro has attended a public rally in Brasilia against lockdown measures. President Jair Bolsonaro repeatedly gave signs of disagreement with the policies defended by the Minister of Health. Brazil is Latin America's most populous country. And it faces monumental challenges in trying to keep the pandemic under control. In the slums or favelas, the poorest are piled up on top of each other, with little to no access to health care and sanitation. Teresa Bo has reported from the favelas and all over Brazil. So we gave her a call to find out how people are coping with the pandemic and the president. So Teresa, The Brazilian president, Jair Bolsonaro, is seen as this controversial figure, right-wing populist. Those are some of the names that have been used to describe him. Controversial also seems to be the right word to talk about his approach to this pandemic. What has that approach been?
1: Well, Bolsonaro, uh, called by many as tropical Trump, because in a way he has behaved as Donald Trump has. From the very beginning, since the pandemic started spreading, especially in Latin America, this was in February, we've seen a, an attitude by President Jair Bolsonaro that was of complete denial. No meu caso particular. In my particular case, with my athletic history, if I were infected with the virus, I would have no reason to worry, I would feel nothing, or it would be at most just a little flu, or a little cold. He started a very strong confrontation, not only with his health ministers. He changed health ministers in the country twice in April because they did not agree with him. But also uh, a confrontation with powerful governors in Brazil. One of them is the governor of Sao Paulo. We have right now a war with two viruses, the coronavirus and Bolsonaro virus. And many of the other governors in the country wanted to impose a lockdown in order to prevent the spread of the virus. Well, Bolsonaro, from the very beginning, said that he was against any type of lockdown because it hurts the economy and that that is going to be a bigger problem than the effects of coronavirus in the country.
0: Changing health ministers not only once, but twice in the middle of a health crisis, the coronavirus pandemic, seems... Interesting. What do people think about how Bolsonaro is handling this?
1: He has definitely lost support in the past months. Most of the population do not agree with the way he has handled uh, the pandemic. But Bolsonaro continues to have a certain amount of support. Around 30 percent of the population supports him. Many of them say that, for example, that this coronavirus is an invention by the communists to conquer the world. I don't think the coronavirus by itself kills that much. I think the most part of people that die by it has another kind of disease. Others are saying that is not as bad as as people want the population to believe among other things. Which to your point
0: explains why we've seen various groups out on the streets in Brazil. So on the one hand, people are out on the streets in support of him. And against these lockdowns that we're seeing, the president himself has also been present at some of those events. And then at the same time, there are those who oppose him who are out on the streets. They're protesting what they see as the mishandling of this health crisis. How did those two opposing groups of protesters get started? Why are they out there?
1: We've been seeing Bolsonaro's opponents that have started to take to the streets in this past few weeks. Most of them are people that are against the president's handling of the pandemic, saying that he's about to generate a genocide in the country because of the amount of people that are dying, because of the consequences coronavirus is having in Brazil. They've been also protesting saying that they are trying to protect democracy. And also they've been protesting about Black Lives Matter. We've been seeing those slogans in Brazil too. People denouncing the amount of people that have been dying at the hands of security forces. Most of those people that die are black and poor. And human rights groups actually are denouncing that the amount of deaths at the hands of security forces since Bolsonaro made it to power have increased.
0: I'm here because thousands of people are dying of coronavirus and the government doesn't care about it. This is a genocide. The government is mocking the working class and the police are killing our families and communities. Black people can't live in peace in this country. We're afraid to die because of our color. What has the government response in Brazil been to people's call for reform?
1: There hasn't been any type of of response from the government. What we have seen is a government that has been attacking those who think different, those who have suggested a different approach. You know, what's interesting that has happened in Brazil is that two of Jair Bolsonaro's biggest allies are uh, the governors of Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo. Well, they opposed the president. They were saying that a lockdown, for example, was imperative in order to prevent the spread of the virus.
0: So what Teresa is saying is that even his allies are standing in opposition to his approach. But Bolsonaro has not only dismissed the gravity of the disease. When the country reached 50,000
1: deaths, he didn't even mention it. The president completely failed to address the issue. He didn't talk for several days and then he never mentioned it. Newspapers like O Globo in Brazil spoke about how this is an unfinished tragedy in Brazil and how Bolsonaro is responsible for it.
0: Last week, the president did finally pay tribute to COVID-19 victims during a Facebook Live in an unusual approach to the virus. The reporting of statistics around the coronavirus has also been an issue in the country. The Brazilian Health Ministry removed the data from the website that documented the rising number of cases.
1: When you look at what has been going on in this past month, when the government tried to control the release of data of how many people were infected, then the Supreme Court got involved and said, no, I mean, they need to start releasing those numbers again. Then a consortium of journalists uh, started to release The numbers they had because they stopped believing in the government. And now we're getting figures from the consortium of journalists because there's no trust on the figures that the government is releasing to us at all. In fact, the president went as far just a few days ago to ask his followers to go inside a hospital and check the situation on the intensive care units because he believes that governors or journalists could be manipulating the data. He wants his followers to go inside the hospital and see if there's any beds available. So it's just, I mean, asking a person to go inside a hospital where there's people who are infected just tells you a lot about the way the president thinks.
0: I want to talk about the indigenous communities of Brazil. So these are communities that encompass nearly 900,000 people and more than 300 ethnicities. I know that you've spoken to some members of these communities and local doctors about this pandemic. What did you learn?
1: It's an extremely worrying situation because it's it's a very, very vulnerable group, not only because who they are, but also because Lack of access to healthcare. I mean, many of these people live in remote areas with no access to hospitals or to any type of treatment. And that's why it's such a sensitive situation. We've been hearing from indigenous groups that are having their own independent account of what's happening. And they have been denouncing that even though official figures say that only around 100 members of Brazil's indigenous people died. The unofficial figures provided by an alliance of indigenous groups say that at least for now over 300 people have died. There's been over 4,000 people infected.
0: The coronavirus is not the only threat to indigenous communities in the Amazon. Illegal mining and logging also endanger the region. Teresa says they're all related.
1: I spoke to an indigenous leader. Her name is Sonia Oaxacara, there is an increase in illegal miners and loggers, and they bring in the risk of infection. We don't have the privilege to care for the pandemic alone. We have to do this and at the same time keep on fighting with historical problems we face that were never resolved, like deforestation and invaders in our territory. She talks about the risk of extinction because it's not only the destruction of the environment, it's also how these people that are doing illegal activities in their territories can also be carriers of coronavirus. And that's something that, that scares them very much because they have seen what that does to, to their communities in the past when measles spread among the indigenous tribes and, and many, many people die.
0: And Al Jazeera was actually in Manaus, right in the middle of the world's largest rainforest, to find out how their local hospital is dealing with the virus in indigenous communities.
1: Manaus is uh, the capital of the state of Amazonas. It's been very, very uh, severely affected by coronavirus. In fact, at some point, the hospital was completely overwhelmed. And in that place, a doctor said...
0: The disease is spreading into the interior, and now it's going to hit the municipalities, the river communities, and the indigenous. In the case of indigenous people, they'll be brought here. And why do we have an indigenous ward? Because we need to learn to treat people that are different, differently. And to value what's ours, what's from the Amazon. We're the state with the highest concentration of indigenous
1: in Brazil. The highest concentrations of indigenous in the world. And what that doctor was talking about is how, from major cities, the virus is spreading towards area that is very, very difficult to track who is being infected, how to treat them, how to help them.
0: I was surprised, and I think others might be as well, that Manaus has an indigenous ward in the hospital. Why is that?
1: Well, these are attempts by the Brazilian government to treat indigenous communities in a different way. What indigenous communities say is that they have a different approach to healthcare. Many of them have their own traditional medicines, have their own way of treating diseases, and Brazil has. And we attempted to catch up to that and help communities by providing a mix of traditional medicine, but also incorporating many of the needs that indigenous communities have. This is something that's happening in Manaus. But what's extremely worrying with this current administration is that this is an administration that talks about indigenous communities as needing to be developed. I mean, the government of Jair Bolsonaro has passed a law for example that talks about developing the amazons about not respecting what our indigenous communities traditional beliefs so this is something that is extremely worrying for indigenous communities because they have fought very very hard to get different treatment in this case of this hospital but also different benefits and get you know help from the state that, that they have managed the state to hear what their needs are instead of the government trying to impose what that government believes is what they need.
0: So in your reporting, I found an element of hope, which is so hard to find right now. But Al Jazeera spoke to two doctors who had COVID-19 and recovered, and they're now helping other people, the poor the less advantaged, in the second biggest city of the country, which is Rio de Janeiro. Tell me about them.
1: These were Willy Barracho and Fabiano Alcantara. They're going inside the favelas and trying to help people out. They are playing a crucial role because they're doing what the state should be doing, what the federal government should be doing. But they're doing it on their free days. When they're not working, they just go there and try to see in which way they can help communities. A major problem in Brazil are the barrios, the favelas, the slums, poor neighborhoods, many of them very poor neighborhoods, where there's lack of sanitation, there's overcrowding,
0: yeah. hospitals are full most cases were not serious so this way we could help and guide people where to go we're visiting people and also to see their problems in their homes small houses with not a lot of airflow we could give an overall guidance on care and cleaning
1: they set up this samba school where people train for the carnival and they prepare their dances etc that's been turned into a, like a consultation place where people can go and get treated by these doctors. And this shows, in a way, the amount of inequality, the challenges, the problems Brazil has today with, honestly, lack of health care.
0: These people have been historically abandoned by society and politicians. They have no access to public healthcare and cannot afford medicines. That is why we are here. I had one last question, and this news dropped right before our interview. So a Brazilian judge has ordered Bolsonaro to begin wearing a face mask. What effect do you think that will
1: have? Every uh, suggestion from the Supreme Court or from the judiciary or anything that goes against to the way he believes or the way he should behave You know, nobody really knows how he responds to that. What I do know is that he is a man that in a way doubles the bet. You know, he likes to be seen with his supporters without wearing anything. If he were to start wearing a mask, maybe he would portray himself as being weak, which is something he talks about all the time, about this power, the strength, how invincible he is, how he's never going to get sick. You know, those that's the type of wording we've been hearing from him. So we will have to see and, and, and see how he responds. But it wouldn't surprise me that he just continues to do as he pleases.
0: It all sounds so very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ney Alvarez, with Dina Kispé, Alexandra Locke, Priyanka Tilbe, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan was the sound designer. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. Stacy Samuel is the Take's executive producer, and Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. Special thanks to Juan Mayu and Mariano Resendi. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, go to the episode's description. You'll find all the extra information about this topic, but also our social media handles. And for more, just go to podcast.aljazeera.com slash the take. We'll be back.